Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right. What's going on? And Mike Minkoff. Gentlemen, gentlemen, um, should we be worried about Kemba? Should we feed into the, the Twitter hate? What, one for 11, one for 12, what, Kemba? Should we be worried about Marcus Smart? Is it, or can we trust that MRI? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> the Celtics play. All those answers and more here. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming off a Lakers loss. You know, maybe should we be concerned about um, whether the Celtics know which basket is theirs? Daniel Ooh. Tice, Robert Williams. I got to say, I feel really vindicated, you know, from the, my experience in fourth grade, I think it was, when I scored on our own hoop in the rec league game. And I was just devastated. And now, after seeing the Celtics do it twice in one game, I don't feel so bad. I still haven't forgiven you. Should we be concerned about, is it the second quarter that we lose by a million, especially to the Spurs? Oof. Should we be concerned about the up and down uh, effort? This team came out against the Bulls focused and it's it's waxing and waning. It's almost like it's a young team. You, you know what I mean? You ever, real, you ever think about that? Well, some people are more excited about this team than they have been in years. I'm actually really enjoying this team. I'm I'm not concerned about the what we're what one and four, one and five since Kemba came back. Mike, you had that stat. Uh, we are so no, we are two and five since Kemba's first game, but one and five in games with that Kemba played. Yeah, I'm I'm so, I'm Kemba sat out. I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine with how things are going here. Uh, I love Brown and and Tatum. I love that Kemba is looking healthy. I don't care about his, that game against the Lakers. I actually thought they played the Lakers really well. I think the Lakers are a better team. Um, I love that we're bringing Tristan Thompson off the bench for right now. Uh, I love Robert Williams' play. Uh, you even saw some bench players come in and play better. It, like there's, there's a lot of positives going on right now. We, we played lineups. We played a lineup multiple times against the Lakers that had. Jeff Teague, Shemi Ojale, Aaron Neesmith, and Tristan Thompson all on the court together and lost by one. <laughs> I think that's a real testament to the fact that this team is, is really promising uh, road ahead. <laughs> I don't think that's the lineup we're going to be playing in like the, the highest leverage moments. And there's something to that, Mike. I know you're, you're really big on like certain lineups. Let's not do that. And I used to be the same way as a coach, especially as an assistant coach, where I was always like, we can't have these three guys on the court at the same time because they kind of duplicate the mistakes and the stupidity sometimes, the low basketball IQ. And it was like, I, I feel like the head coaches never picked up on that. And it was always the assistant coaches who were like, okay, we got to remember. And so I, we would have a code word sometimes. I would say code blue if those three guys were on the court and the head coach had, had forgotten that he did it again, put them out there together. Um, so I feel like you, you're, you're calling the code blue on, on Brad Stevens a little bit there. I like it. That's yeah. I mean, so the players wouldn't know what you were saying. Exactly. (laughs) I, I, okay. So, I mean, with lineups, I feel like my, my hunch and Josh, you can tell me if I'm wrong. My hunch is that like, as a coach, your first instinct is to just make sure you have every position defended. (laughs) It's like, it's like, you just want five guys that you're like, these guys can defend the other team. Like I would think that at, that would be your first instinct. And then you're like, we'll figure out the other side from there. 
No, um, it's, but it's but there like there that. are just <laughs> there are just some, maybe not, but there are just <laughs> that I feel like if I were a coach, that would be my right. instinct. I'll frame it. I'll frame it. And that Brad way. Stevens seems um, to be the same. But and and like somehow, some way, our team over the course of the season has still performed better uh, with Jeff Teague on the court than just about any other player. The only ex- that plays regular minutes, the only exception being Peyton Pritchard. It doesn't make sense to me, but we've had really good defense with him on the court. So I can understand Stevens probably thinking, all right, well, Teague, Shemi, Tristan, well, uh, Aaron Neesmith, the, the argument kind of falls out a little <laughs> bit, but um, the, this can, this, lineup can hold its own defensively um but uh yeah i don't know i I was a little bit apoplectic watching that lineup on the i think i think we were they were the ones that were in there in the second quarter when we got down by 10 points um uh, against the lakers it was yeah i don't know let's let's hit aaron neesmith really quickly because you guys have gotten into it the last two podcasts related to what are you talking about It's gotten heated in here, uh, and uh, I, you know, I said on the last one, uh, I, and this point has been brought up by lots of different people from preseason. But why not throw Aaron Nesmith out there to get run? And it was almost like he started getting some minutes at the at the um, turn of the quarter, uh, in both the the first to second and sometimes third to fourth, um, and it almost like it was planned. Almost like Stevens uh, had a little more faith in him. And even when he hasn't shot well, it, it, he hasn't looked as bad. He hasn't looked horrible. Uh, I, I'm I'm okay. He played well against the Bulls. That was his, definitely his best game of the season. Um, but I just noticed that that he was getting a little more run in the way that I was hoping he would. He picked Any up thoughts? that. That yeah, he picked up that charge against LeBron on the sideline too. You know, he's he's like poking his head out there every once in a while. You're like, oh yeah, he's still out there. He's still doing something, and he's learning from his mistakes. It seems. Um, he's super coachable. You can see that how he, you know, and how he responds to the staff after he does commit fouls and, and doesn't understand why things like that. Um, but the shot's not falling, and so it's, it's. I think it makes sense that fans are upset about him playing. I also think, or or <laughs> upset about Danny picking him. Uh, but I think once the shot starts falling, I think that you're going to see everyone do a 180. It's almost like when the team got a chance to practice with him that he was able to improve and understand things better. Now, you know, I am left with two choices here. One is, uh, you know, I can, I can, I guess three choices. <laughs> I can double down <laughs> on everything I said the last couple of weeks. I can tuck my tail and say I was clearly wrong. Or I can do what I'm going to do, which is take credit for inspiring Neesmith's turnaround which is obviously a d- in direct response to my um, arguably outsized criticism over the past couple of episodes. No, I, he has obviously looked actually like he might belong in the NBA for the first time. Uh, I think in that Bulls game, um, maybe a little bit in the next game, but or the sorry, the second Philly game, but it... Uh, definitely in the Bulls game and then in the Spurs game, he he also was solid. Um, I I think I t- texted you, Adam, that I felt uh, uh, very very frustrated, annoyed by Neesmith for completely undermining the part part of 
the rationale for the arguments that Josh and I had the last couple of episodes. I thought that was really selfish of him and, and a little rude. Um, Mike, <laughs> but I'm I'm glad I'm glad that he actually is starting to look like uh, a player, um, and that that it wasn't it it doesn't appear like it was a case of of kind of Carson. Um, who, who I'm, I'm still. Even the Carson actually is looking has looked better in a couple stints, but I'm not. I'm, I'm still out on the Carson stock. Mike, I thought you yeah. were going to choose the fourth option, which is make a bet. No, we already made the bet. And we have a bet. But I was hoping. I was hoping you forgot. We have a bet. We actually. Actually, no. I still, I still feel okay with this bet. I dusted off the old Carson Edwards bet that we forgot about in the uh, the extra podcast. I will the, never forget about that, Bob. The lost bet, and Josh. lost but not forgotten notes. You know, a lot of dust had kicked onto there. We bet that Carson Edwards would shoot thirty eight percent from three at some point during his career in 15 minutes per game. You know, this was like, is he going to be an NBA player? This was back in December, 2019. And so those parameters we kind of used. Aaron Neesmith bet goes as follows. He's going to have a season on his rookie contract, so within the first four years, at 15 minutes per game, 38% from three, um, with at least 40 games. And And it's got to be with the Celtics. Exactly. And I say he does this. Mike says he will not because Mike doesn't think he's a real NBA player. And Josh, you said Carson Edwards. I think Carson he's a Edwards. realer NBA player. Josh, you said Carson Edwards would shoot the 38% from three in 15 minutes per game as well. So yeah. Josh taking the Correct. same spot both bets. Yeah, but the bets are different, because with Carson Edwards, I said it would never happen, period. Right, I got his whole career <laughs> for, it to, for him to shoot 38% oh, right. in 15 well, minutes a game. And I think Good thing it me- looks like he won't have a long career. We don't have to wait 15 years to decide that one. And I've been thinking about narrowing down the parameters of the bet. Like, I feel so confident about it. I feel like I can pick, like... Which one, the Neesmith one? No, or the, no, the Carson Edwards, Edwards one. ones. Like, I want to be like, it's going to happen with the Timberwolves, Bulls, Knicks, and like list a bunch of terrible teams in which I'm sure he's going to thrive once he finally gets leaves the Celtics and ends up on a, a terrible team where he can get a lot of minutes. Um, he's still got to get up to that 38%. If he's a chucker on a bad team, I'm not sure he's going to get in that 38% range. Can we trade Carson Edwards to the Cavs, please? Isn't this like the obvious next step here in his story? Because it's the only team he's had good games against? Is that, yeah, the, is exactly. that the logic? Yep. 100%. <laughs> and so they'll take him. They're the only ones who will yeah, take him. They'll be well, interested. It'll be it'll be the old Doc Rivers trade exactly. uh, rationale. It's like, oh, this guy has had three good games in his career, they've all been against my team, so he's great. I need him. That well, game, I, I watched um, the local Cleveland broadcast. They were like, he can shoot. Oh, he's great. They It was like they remembered the preseason game from two years ago. I mean, I think there's a lot of teams who would, who would take a guy with his pedigree. I feel like Carson Edwards on the Minnesota Timberwolves, perfect. I feel like okay, well, here, I feel like the Anthony the- Simons experiment in Portland has not gone well. I feel like you put Carson Edwards in that role, and and they may like that. Well, I know I know a team that's orienting around youth and needs some shooting, and uh, allegedly they've got an aging shooter uh, that's a, that might be on the block. Do you think uh, Do you think uh, one one New Orleans Pelicans franchise might be interested? We've got We've got a shiny Carson Edwards for you, the old man in the just, three. Just give us Just give us that creaky JJ Redick hey. and uh, and uh, TPE slot. Okay, here. So it begs the question: Are you guys in or out on JJ Redick? Forget how we do it. Is it a yes or a no for you? Forget how we do it. Yeah. Would you take the guy? Because yes. I'm straight. Like I don't yes. want him. Hundred percent. You, you you don't want him. No, I think he's I'm done. Fully he's in. cooked. Really? He's cooked. He he 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he retired at the end of the year. I don't think he will because there's just, you know, he can be that vet on the team, but. I haven't watched enough Pelicans games to know if he's actually cooked. His numbers have been bad this year, uh, but that, that team is kind of wonky. I uh, think he would be a really nice option to have um, if he would come over and accept that some nights he'd be in the nine-man rotation, some nights he might not play. Because I think for certain matchups, and like again, think of you know how much we struggled against the zone with like my you know against Miami and against the Raptors in the playoffs. You can't do run zone the same way if JJ Redick is out there running at the top of the key. Yeah. You just can't. Like we and and that's what why we drafted a guy like Neesmith was to eventually become that level of a threat or or even like 80% of that level of a threat and running around screens and you know just bringing gravity and and messing with the defense's head. Like if he can if Redick can be 80% of Redick, <laughs> like that's really meaningful. Uh, and, and and something we'll need. He's he's a real liability on defense, and we we've exposed that in matchups against Philly in the past when he was there. Um, so I understand the limitations that you're concerned about, Josh. Uh, he I don't think he if he's the, if that's the only move we make, I would not want to do it. If he's one of like two moves, and we still get kind of the more versatile, more more veteran wing that can that can kind of defend and be do something on offense, um, then, then I'm in on, on Reddick as kind of, you know, one, one of our like deeper playoff rotation options. Yeah. I mean, you give him two seconds and, and the uh, part of the TPE. Great. You, if you could figure out some other way to make salary matching work without giving up many assets, which I, I don't I, think is possible. I, not unless you're giving up like a yeah. really good player like Daniel Tice, um, which, which hopefully for all Celtics fans, there's agreement that that's just completely unacceptable. Now, Mike, when you say you haven't watched much of the Pelicans this year, is that similar to me where it's been literally zero? I may have seen a highlight of Zion at some point. So maybe like 10 seconds. I, I have no idea how JJ Redick is playing this year. And when you guys both say that you've watched like zero of the New Orleans Pelicans, when you say New Orleans Pelicans, you really mean the entire rest of the NBA besides the Celtics, <laughs> right? No, not accurate. No, that is not I true. have watched all the teams the Celtics have played against. So JJ Redick this year, I didn't even realize he was shooting 28 or 29% from three. Um, but he just looks like if you took a guy from the big three or the TBT, and like threw him into the NBA. That's what he looks like this year. He's lost like three steps. You know, he's good for all the mentorship. He's good for the podcasting. He's good for the locker room. He's good for like the few possessions, um, maybe in the playoffs where you'd throw him out there situationally to get some good shots off. And I think that, you know, despite whatever he shoots from the three point line this year, I, I think that there's full confidence in him in big moments. But like you can't play him much because of his defensive limitations. And he just looks. Like just watching him move, I I immediately was like, this guy's going to retire at the end of the year. Like I don't see how he continues for a few more years. But obviously the NBA is silly, and they're going to pay him another thirteen million contract for another two years just because of the locker room presence. But I say please no on the Celtics. You know, some people have mentioned Tristan Thompson as being a potential trade candidate for him, Um, but he's you can't trade a guy because until a certain date anyway. But morally, you can't trade a guy who just signed with us. 
in the offseason and that kind of I, like, I, like, I love you Especially... using moral arguments about trade when it comes to Danny Ainge, who absolutely ascribes to zero of this moral code that you espouse. Well, I would say, I would add, especially when the player you're getting back is not as good. Like Tristan Thompson, as much as, as frustrating as he might be to, for fans these days because he's not playing up to whatever y'all thought he was going to be, you know, as a big name guy, he's still better than JJ Redick right now. And I think Tristan Thompson is going to help us a lot in the playoffs. Well, I do uh, too. I, I I have not sold my Tristan Thompson stock. I'm disappointed in how he's played so far, but I I want to make set the record straight. I'm not out on Tristan Thompson. Ditto. David Griffin, uh, the president of operations of the New Orleans Pelicans, has been pretty uh, aggressive about making JJ Redick and Lonzo Ball available. Uh, and the spin machine is in effect in terms of teams with interest and i'm assuming a lot of that is coming from new orleans trying to drum up a market for both players and uh, but my, and my, eric bledsoe uh, yeah great because <laughs> that guy comes in to replace people all the time and then leaves name a team that has had eric bledsoe that has wanted to keep him <laughs> really enjoyed it not milwaukee not the Suns. i don't know that phoenix wanted to get rid of him until he tweeted out that he got to get out of here whatever it was that he then pretended was he was at the barber <laughs> now my favorite part about all of this was seeing josh uh and, and keith smith go at it in the celtics blog slack chain now keith keith smith he's like he's got legit contact sources in the league josh coach mo here has some sources not as legit to my knowledge uh josh you want to share anything about that what are, you, what are you saying? I, I've been hearing that Lonzo Ball, from my Pelicans people, that Lonzo Ball has, thinks he's going to get a max, thinks he's a max guy, and that that's part of the reason why they're looking to trade him is because he's a little bit delusional about what he expects on the market. Keith Smith says that he's heard that's not true. Um, and that Clutch doesn't act that way, basically. Yeah. I just, I just like the disagreement. Yeah, you're all about it, man. You're trying to yeah, Adam, Adam, Adam here, hate mongering. I just yeah. like sitting on these sidelines, war mongering. Yeah, what a what a what a what a brave brave uh, individual you are, Adam. Just sit on the sidelines and try to get people to get get them riled up. Yeah, you, there's you're uh, you're you're inciting the insurrections. Yeah. Oh, wow. Joshua, wow. boom, boom. Joshua <laughs> fought the battle of Jericho, and Adam was on the sideline trying to pour gasoline on the fire uh let's get back to the celtics um josh tatum's back he's he's played a few, a few games he's looking good despite having a purple armband playing against the lakers i know that he loved kobe but come on man so i need the stats someone out there i need the stats on how tatum is playing with the purple arm armband versus without the purple armband it's going on what two years now and we, it seems we like some stats Chris Forsberg at uh, NBC Sports Boston uh, and historically at ESPN Boston and et cetera um, has always been very good at, at monitoring player performance with and without certain uh, accoutrement, whether it's like a headband or haircut, hairstyle. So he, he might have the purple, the purple armband stats for Tatum. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe a listener will have hook you up, Josh. So yeah, I tweeted about that. I also tweeted about Tatum's failure after two strong buckets, like 
alpha dog type buckets at the end of the Lakers game to get us within one point. We get a rebound. We push it up the court. There's seven seconds at the start of this play when we have the ball. And I'm looking like, where's Tatum? Where's Tatum? Where's Tatum? And there were a couple guys that were hanging back in the back court. Tice is in the full court now, front court now. He was one of them. And I'm just like, where's Tatum? I'm watching the replays. He just watched somebody else get the rebound, push it up the court. All four players went up. He just watched the whole time, knowing that the clock was running out. And I'm like, so, that's the guy we should be giving the ball to to take that final shot. So yeah. Tatum tried yeah. to Tatum tried to call a timeout. There's actually a clip right. of him with 5.3 seconds left, and he's in the back, like in the half court, trying or in the in the back court, trying to call a timeout, and the refs didn't see him. Uh, I'm. It's probably for the best that the timeout wasn't called. Kemba got a good look and you, you typically don't get a look that good or at least better off a set inbounds at the end of a game like that. So and Tyson's putback um, opportunity was great too. Tyson's putback opportunity was great. He may have gotten fouled. Um, no, Tyson never gets fouled, but he always. Fouled. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. I, I watched, I watched the clip. Uh, yeah, I don't see the timeout as an excuse to not, have the guy cross half court and i'm I, you know obviously this is a nitpicky tiny detail right and as a no, coach i was that not. kind of a coach i had um, the same thought I, I had the same thought and the guy that got the rebound and the putback tice was back in the backcourt with tatum yeah tice ran up tice was even slow running up they both so, paused for a yep. second or two and then tice sprinted up but here's my thing That's, this is this to me feels like it's it's kind of like a perfect example of the Jason Tatum maturity. The same thing that we saw in the playoffs last year, this kind of up and down. This Adam, you asked in the beginning, off the top of the broadcast, what should we be concerned about? Are we concerned about this? This is the only thing that I think matters long-term for the Celtics, and as well right now, in every current moment we, we meet with Jason Tatum, is these examples of maturity. You know, He was the inbound passer in the second quarter against the Spurs at half court, turned the ball over as he was trying to attempt to pass to Kemba Walker, who for whatever reason was like not trying to go into the backcourt to, to catch the ball, uh, which could have been just the easy, safe play. But it was intercepted. Uh, they scored. And then Tatum grabs the ball out of the net as he's, he's coming back on D. Instead of letting the ball bounce and to turn around and assess like, okay, what's going on? Who's open now? He grabs the ball right out of the net, turns around you know, out of, out of bounds to inbound it, and again, you know, he's rushed because of the five-second call. He turns it over again. They scored, they scored six points in 20 seconds um, with him as an inbounder. And it's like, obviously, he's the legend, the future legend. I, I see that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to put him down in any way. But this is, these are examples of maturity that I want to remember because we're going to be able to say, you know, remember when. And we, this is what I saw in the playoffs that kept, kept us from making the finals. I think it's a big deal in, in terms of his maturity to to have more confidence as an inbounder and and to you know be doing those details like at least cross half court. I I think you're right, Josh, to to point it out as an error. I I find it I just I just find it interesting. You and I just react differently. Like it like Tatum learns and applies and improves so much that like when he has a, a mistake or like an oversight, I, aside from like just not committing to being aggressive to the hoop, 
I generally, it generally just doesn't grade on me that much. It's like, yeah, point it out and he'll learn it. And he's still 22 right. and he's ridiculously good. Right. Like, so like, yeah, it's an error and show him the tape and say, you know, don't do that. I honestly, on that last play, I couldn't get past the fact that I, I was sure Kemba was going to turn it over. He came really close. I don't know how Jalen Brown like controlled that dribble. Um, when when Kemba initially pe- passed it up, because like, the, and this is a uh, the thing uh, we're gonna be talking about Kemba a little bit more, but you know Kemba does get like excited, like and overexcited in in those high pressure moments and in like big games, and he kind of tries to do too much and go too fast, and that was definitely a case where he was like, kind of just a little chaotic and frenzied. Uh, we still ended up getting a really good look out of it, but. I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, so I'm not too worried about Tatum. Um, sure, he could have he could have sprinted up. I'm sure the coaches will show him the tape. I don't think it'll be a, a major issue for him. And he had a heck of a game, scoring 30. Um, and I I just like my main takeaway from that Lakers game is Tatum and Brown just flat belong at the highest level. Like. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, I have more confidence than I've had at any point in the last few years that we can win a championship with those two as our best two players. Mm-hmm. And like, like we have our one A, one B, or one and two, whatever it is for a championship team. And that, like, I didn't, I didn't know that last year. I didn't know that even like ten games into the season. I, I feel like. Loved the mic'd up seg- segment with uh, Jalen Brown too. Seeing him show that leadership on defense and and talk to his teammates, it's it's awesome to see. It's awesome, and and like I said last time, the accountability that they can provide to each other because Jalen's game has grown as as it has this year, uh, starting last year, like it's phenomenal. All right, so we're not worried about Tatum except Josh is a little concerned the maturity needs to improve no 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 i'm i just want to be clear i'm not concerned about it i just think that those details with that particular player is like the fulcrum that everything is balancing on and we will win a championship once the mature once we see the maturity in the Mm -hmm. in that regard so i'm not worried about it it's just to me like that is the bullseye for this team and this season god i hate it when you say something wise just it's the worst Sorry, bro. The the thing the thing that's so great about Tatum though is that he cares enough to focus on all those details. Oh yeah. Like and that that's why he's as great as he already is and that's why we all feel so confident in in the greatness to come. We're not concerned about Kemba. Are we concerned about Marcus Smart? I mean this injury we luck totally lucked. Wait, out. are are we all not concerned about Kemba? Exactly. Right? I'm not. I'm good. I mean, again, it's it's my my only concerns related to Kemba are are injury related um, and or or like health related, and so far he's looking great. It's it's TBD, but he looks awesome so far. So no concerns here. I know that some fans are like wondering if he, he should get traded, and I was liking him as a trade candidate more because I was concerned about his long term health. But um, as long as he continues to look good, uh, maybe I was wrong. What about you, Josh? Um, I, I'm, I like that he came out and said Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown should not change anything. I will figure it out. I'll, I'll adjust. 
I'll be the one to change. You know, as a vet, I think that that's smart. Coming off of the injury, I think that that's correct and accurate. Like it is your responsibility to figure this out. Um, he said that right before another game where he didn't shoot the ball very well, and I I'm starting to wonder if he's ever going to really figure out how to be that floor general plus being a scorer. I don't like the shot selection at the end of games, and, and I had the same gripe about Tatum and Brown at times uh, in the playoffs last year as well as this year. But overall, no, I, I'm not ready to just trade him. I mean, if you can get a Bradley Beal or a DeMar DeRozan for him, I would do that trade in an instant. But that those teams aren't trading those guys for Kemba Walker. You know, I saw a one Bradley tweet today. Beal, a Bradley Beal or DeMar DeRozan, you're putting them in the same category? <laughs> I think they're both players... Uh, no, I, I wouldn't put them in the same category. Okay. But but those are th- things that I've heard. Um, you know, obviously fa- fans are saying, let's just trade him for Bradley Beal. He's supposed to be available. That's not happening, right? Um, I would love to trade him for DeMar DeRozan, but that's not happening. You know, there's, I saw one tweet today, uh, something like, you know, what, what do you, what can you get for a 30-year-old uh, point guard with an injury history and 60 million still? owed on his contract you know no name given obviously that's Kemba Walker and when you put it like that it's like it kind of makes it real um but I, I think I think we have well, to roll the, uh, the, we uh, got. the the who was it someone got Chris Paul Oklahoma City got Chris Paul <laughs> for Russell Westbrook right, right. Wasn't, what, didn't Russell Westbrook more or less fit into that uh bucket absolutely obviously but obviously Westbrook I guess was better was was a higher value uh, trade asset than Kemba Walker. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think Walker is look he's eminently lovable. Um, he's he's an awesome teammate. I agree with you, Josh. What he said uh, about kind of figuring it out, like and putting it on him and and not asking Jalen or Jason to adjust to him is really important. And you know, yet again, kind of just shows how opposite Kemba is to Kyrie, um, who I, I feel pretty confident would not have framed the adjustments that way. <laughs> but um, he, it is, it is, it is disappointing that he, he hasn't played a little bit better to start, but it's so early in, in his season. Um, I'm not overly concerned but there are i wish he had a better track record of, of kind of performing better in like the playoffs and in, in games against really tough uh defensive teams like the lakers um it, it's there's a little bit of a trend in his career and how he performs again in those matchups and you know it's we we need him to to be able to be a a kind of high-performing offensive threat deep in, in the playoffs for us to kind of really compete for a championship. Um, so, so we'll, like, want, want to see him kind of progressing towards being able to kind of steadily make that type of contribution over the course of the season. And he's going it, to... It's really important for our ceiling. He's going to have a, an opportunity here in the next few weeks to really solidify things and, and prove fans wrong uh, because... Without Pritchard, now without Smart, and even on a minutes restriction, you know Kemba's going to really need to control his uh, the turnovers. He's going to really need to 
to be a facilitator and and pick and choose his spots instead of jacking up shots early in the shot clock that don't go in. Uh, I, I th- I'm really looking forward to the next two weeks because he's really going to have to step up, especially with the way Jeff Teague has played poorly this season. And, and we're really going to need a lot from Kemba right now. Yeah, let's talk about Teague briefly. He has not looked good, but his his the stats still make him seem like he's a, a solid NBA player, and I'm I'm not seeing it. Um, I, I you know he's I I've, I'm impressed with how he comes up with steals and how um, opportunistic he is on the defensive end and on the offensive end, but as mostly as a one on one player driving to the basket, um, and that is countered by his laziness sometimes on defense and in transition um his his laziness with some of his passes like jumping to pass with no idea where where he's going to throw it to he makes a lot of mistakes um that to me are kind of mindlessly surprising for a veteran uh not loving what i'm seeing from teague and, and we need him i feel like jeff teague has always kind of been this guy who was more flash you know, he's so quick. He can really, the, the type of burst that he has, you know, especially coming out of college, Kentucky, I think is where he went. And it's just, I, I always saw that there was way more talent than there was like substance and consistency with him. Um, I never was kind of hating on his game, but, you know, the success that he had with Atlanta, especially that 60 win season with Al Horford, I think that says a lot about his potential and the way he's matured throughout his career. I feel like, now what we need from him is to acclimate faster to this new situation and to be able to to do the, maybe the things that he's not as good at, which is just be consistent and hit your floater and don't turn it over. Like that's really it. Well so funny you say funny you say hit hit floater. Would you like to know <laughs> Okay, so Jeff Teague is shooting forty one point seven percent from three this season on one point five three points attempts per game. That's a good number. He's shooting 87.5% from the free throw line. That's a good number. Only on one and a half attempts, but, you know, making most of them. Would you like to guess what his just overall field goal percentage is, and that includes that 40, nearly 42% from three? Isn't it around 30%? 35. It is 32%. Yeah. He's making just about two field goals on a little over six attempts a game. Um <laughs> That floater does not go in. I don't think it ever goes in. Uh, he cannot hit anything from inside the arc. It is kind. Of, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad and frustrating and infuriating. Um, and but you know he he's he's super quick. You, he predictably the ball will swing to him. He'll take a few steps back so he can get some runway. He, he's quick and crafty enough to get by his guy. He gets into that kind of dead spot in the defense puts up the floater and like misses by a mile and this is what minnesota fans i think could have told us about him right i don't think that he was really well received there in a backup role very similar but i think in the culture that we have i was you know about to say like he can't he's not going to hit that floater he's not going to be the consistent guy who does the details that's not him he's the talent and he still has a lot of that talent left and so we're going to see flashes like we saw in his first game with the team um, where he can help us, but you know we can't really rely on him. So I, I feel like that puts him in the perfect spot as that backup to Peyton Pritchard, who's the backup to Marcus Smart, who's the backup to Kemba Walker, right? Like in that fourth role, 
I think that he's that's his perfect situation for him so that he can surprise when he's on and then when he's not, you know, we have other guys who can step up ahead of him. Yeah, I, I agree with that as long as Brad Stevens doesn't try to give me an aneurysm by playing Teague like more than Pritchard um, when all all four of those guys are healthy, which which we haven't had all four of them healthy yet. No, he won't. He, and he's not going to play Carson Edwards more than Neesmith going forward, I don't think, you know, when they're both available at the same time. And he will play Semi Ojale more than we want. We can count on that. I'm in on Shemi now. Shemi, Shemi, I'm, a, I'm converted. Wow. wow. That was fast. Really fast. Mike changed his opinion really fast. <laughs> he, he, he's sure right away. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, uh, it's it's important. It's important for me to say one thing on that. I'm a fan first and foremost. (laughs) Uh, This isn't fun for me if I'm trying to be too analytical. I have to be really analytical in my actual job. This is all about the emotional reactions, like occasion and and then stat nerdery. Like that is my experience as a Celtic fan. So yeah, I'm sure until I'm not, and then I'm sure again. (laughs) Absolutely. Love I know it. another person on this podcast who is also sure uh, initially about their conclusions. You? <clears throat> no. Um, so, you guys, I have a question for you. Is Robert Williams going to actually put together a consistency that helps raise this team's ceiling this year? Yes. This narrative needs to stop. Robert Williams is good, period. It's not like I don't understand. He, he has not looked lost on the court. Like ninety nine percent of the time he's been out there this season, except right after he gets a rebound and he needs to find the outlet pass way yeah, before that's the 1%. anyone's ready. <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean, Josh, you're right, and that's been half the half the team. <laughs> uh, yo, I've never seen ever. I've never seen a player who wants to get rid of the rebound faster than Robert Williams does. He's he's like trying to perfect the rebound touch pass. Like that's yep. that, if he could, if coaches would allow him to do that, it would be a whole other situation for him. He's 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 trying to turn the ball over off of that rebound. It's like we need to. I don't know what the, the coaches need to do to make sure that he solidifies the ball, squeezes it, pivots first, and finds somebody so he does not throw it to the other team. Because I'm I'm really tired of seeing that. But you know what? It's being overshadowed by all the good things he's doing, all the the stretch Armstrong plays around the rim. Um, for whatever reason, you know, the other team doesn't want to box him out ever. Um, and, you know, that's obviously a theme this year with the limited practice time. Nobody's really boxing anybody out in the NBA this year. But Robert Williams is getting a lot of highlights from that. Um, and he's still, what, only playing 15 minutes a game? So still barely playing, but at least the, the play is consistent for the first time in his career. We got lucky with Marcus Smart and that injury, it seems. Uh, even apparently after an MRI, uh, it's a one to two week calf strain uh, with Marcus Smart. Uh, two, two, to, two to three weeks optimism that it could be one to two weeks. But yeah, I mean, I was going to say official line from the team is two to three weeks. Marcus Smart doesn't get injured. He uh, he just gets bruises. He's, he'll be back tomorrow. That guy. So this is this is important. I think it's good to have these bumps. It's good to lose a game against the Lakers and be hungry for when we see them again. It's good to have, you know, Peyton Pritchard be a miraculous surprise. And then, you know, we're relying on him instead of the guy we signed who's supposed to be the vet to solidify things, Jeff Teague. 
And now we got to rely on Jeff Teague because Pritchard's out. I think it's good that Marcus Smart has this bump in the road so that Kemba can really have a spotlight on him a little bit more than normal. You know, he's got to really step up right now in the next two weeks. Um, and someone else is going to have to be plugged into the, the lineup as well because of these injuries, and it's not going to be Romeo. You know, and so hopefully Neesmith or Carson Edwards can step up a little bit more or have a little bit more opportunity here. I think that these these are the tests that uh, give us the purpose for the you know the purpose that we refer to in the playoffs of why we're here or why we're hungry or what we've been through or how other guys have stepped up throughout the year because of all the adversity that we've faced. You know, this was this is a brand new year, even though last season was what only a month before this one started, and it's it's its own thing, its own entity, and we need to kind of look at it that way. You know, this is the year that that we have Tommy Heinsohn on our our jersey and and Casey Jones. Like we got the Casey T-shirts. This is this is our purpose this year, and I think it's important to have these bumps in the road. And you know, we're ten and eight right now, not ideal, but I'm okay with having a few less wins and a few more. Um, a few more chances at a higher draft pick while still making the playoffs. Josh, I think you can agree that uh, the contract that Jalen Brown signed at the beginning of last year is now a team-friendly deal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there any way to, for him to renegotiate at this time? <laughs> no, but we can help him. We can help him recoup some of the lost money. Oh, that's right. How do we do that, Adam? Well, let um, the listeners know. Yeah, if you vote for Jalen Brown for the All Star team, which he's likely to get at this point, even even if the Celtics fans don't rally, but why not rally? Uh, he gets a one point three million dollar bonus for making the team. He has one of the higher bonuses for making the All Star team. I assume that's something that he got because he uh, signed a a contract that um, was below the uh, you know the market of where he could be uh, he could make if he uh, had been a better player before last season. Yeah, just under a max contract, and I mean, it, he's proven this year that he's a max guy, whether he makes the all-star team or not. But, yo, this guy got out and hit the streets, especially in his home state, to try to get people to vote. we got to return the favor by voting for him for the all-star game. Don't be that guy who does not vote for Jalen Brown for the all-star team. Whether you're a guy or not, don't be that guy. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm going to spring this uh, – this brings to mind for me uh, a question uh, that I'm going to spring on you guys. Um, and, and this segue kind of reveals my answer. But, Josh, you mentioned a moment ago we're 10-8 and eight on the season. That means 18 games in, we're a quarter of the way through this uh, shorter regular season. Uh, what for you guys has been the biggest surprise, good or bad, of the, of the first quarter of the season? Peyton Pritchard, easily. Jalen Brown, easily. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> yeah, J- J- Jalen for me, which uh, hence the segue. Um, but Pritchard's a good answer, too. Uh, I didn't I didn't think Jalen was going to take this, like, all caps, like, size 48 font leap uh, This <laughs> like this. It's been amazing. Pritchard, uh, yeah, it's like, is it, is it a bigger bigger surprise to go from no expectations to, like, solid or to go from really good to just super duper star. Do you guys think uh, Jalen could win MIP most improved? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's the kind of situation where 
he's get he's going to he's getting starting to get and he's going to get a lot more notoriety because I I don't think this is a fluke. I mean, his mid range uh, shooting percentages will regress a little bit to the mean, but this is not a fluke. Um, and, and we do need to see a little bit of what does this look like when with a healthy Kemba Tatum and Brown. But again, this is not a fluke. This is Jalen Brown is, is this good and he's going to remain this good and he's going to start getting a lot of notoriety, especially after he becomes an all-star and especially when this team uh, plays well in the playoffs, which I expect to happen given this leap. Um, and as that happens, I think he is going to, um, I think the most improved is, is a part of that. It's the, like, there's guys that in their second or even third uh, season, some voters don't like to vote for them because they expect a progression very early in one's career. Um, Jalen is past that point and, and he's clearly showing that he is um, working hard and developing his game and it's showing on the court in new and, and incredible ways. I mean, his, his scoring is up like seven points. He's, he's making dramatic leaps. It, it always depends on who else is, is um, in the running for this, but He's like top two on a on a strong team, so I, I think that's the kind of a, a narrative that will work for voters. And I think I think these next few weeks, I, I'm actually really excited about it. You know, Marcus Smart, everything that he does that we don't really see, just his presence at the end of games, you know, being a contagious uh, detail guy. When it comes, you know, that translates to wins. There was a. There's a lot made about, you know, when he was down with that injury in the last game and we didn't know what the diagnosis was, you know, people were really worried. And we saw the calf like flicker and twitch inside of his skin and it was a little gross and everyone on Twitter started saying, Achilles, Achilles, just like Kevin Durant. And I feel like he uh, he's about to show by not being on the court everything that he does. And it's a really important opportunity for these guys like Tatum and Brown uh, to step up and really lead when it matters at the end of games, when they've always had to rely on Smart, because he was always going to uh, speak whatever he saw as it was happening and get guys to rotate on time and be encouraging. Like he's what he does on the court is contagious in a way that we're going to miss. And in close games on this West Coast road trip we're about to start, uh, th- things are going to be revealed without him there. And and the most important thing that will be revealed is how important he is to our team. And what we miss when he's not there. I mean, this is the guy who came six years ago and started the playoff you know, run that we've had. We've been in the playoffs every year. Marcus Smart's been on the team. All those conference finals he's been a part of. And I feel like we wouldn't have gotten to four conference finals or three conference finals in four years if Marcus Smart was not a part of the rotation and on the court. And I want to see how guys adjust at the end of games you know, with that you know, making winning plays. Yeah, I think it's um, I I don't know if it's ironic, but uh, the, one of the guys I'd actually most like to see with Smart out is Pritchard, because uh, I think he he replicates some yep. of the grit that Smart that Smart has. Um, so it you know I I don't think Pritchard hopefully is too far away, so so maybe we'll get to see some some of Pritchard getting some extended run. Um, while smarts out, but agree with everything you said, Josh and and Brad Stevens likes to highlight that that uh that it's no accident that the Celtics have had the success they've had since Smart has been here. And Pritchard being out just highlights the fact that other guys need to step up and and make the winning plays and the the decisions at the end of games that you know cause winning. 
Um, and, and that's the maturity that we'd, we want to see from Tatum. And that's also the maturity that we want to see from Kemba when the game really matters. So, you know, we got a tough stretch here. We got four games this week alone with the Warriors tonight, you know, Tuesday night, and the Kings tomorrow night in the back-to-back. Uh, is Kemba playing in back-to-backs? I forget. No. So no Kemba. No, Steven said no back-to-backs probably all year. Well, there you have it, folks. You can hit us up on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod, or you could hit up Mike Minkoff at Mike Minkoff NBA and let him know how wrong he is about Aaron Neesmith. Uh, or you can celebrate my predictions as the Aaron Neesmith truther in the room at Coach Motenko on Twitter. Please like, subscribe, and uh, that's Celtics Pride. Celtics Pride.